anxious thought that steals my breath. It's a heavy weight upon my chest. As I lie awake and wonder what the future will hold, help me to remember that you're in control. You're my courage when I worry in the dead of night. You're my strength 'cause I'm not strong enough to win this fight. You are greater than the battle raging in my mind. I will trust you, Lord. I will fear no more. Well, amen. Good morning, again for the second time. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. I really enjoyed our time of worship, even though it was a little shorter. Than usual. Um, there's a play this afternoon, so we're trying to respect the school and, and get out a little quickly as possible today. So we cut it short, but I really just feel the presence of God. I just feel the sweetness of His Spirit with us this morning, and I just really enjoyed that. So I am happy to be here. I'm thankful that my husband is gracious and he gives me these opportunities, and that it's on you guys because I know you love me, and it makes it a lot easier. And so I'm just excited to speak. I just, I, I know I said this the last time, the Lord has really put it on my heart. And the more I study his word, the more it just keeps coming alive with like, now I know how Pastor Joey feels all the time. Like, oh, that would be excellent in a message. Oh, I got to remember that. I got to jot that down. It's like happening. It's this new thing in my life. And so I'm falling more and more in love with God's word each and every day. So much so that my husband, I asked him for a Bible. I'll be right back. I'm coming. I promise. Hang on one second. Where is it? Oh, I asked him for a Bible for my birthday. And I said, I don't want like, you know, just a cheapy one. I want like a really nice one. And he gets me this. And it's heavier than me. And I don't have to go to the gym anymore because I could just lift this Bible every day. But it's awesome. And so I've been studying in that. It's a life application Bible. It's been really cool. There's tons of notes. I don't need the internet anymore because it's all in here. So all in one place. But okay, I have a question. We know we're talking about fear, so I want you to be honest, because we're in church, even guys in the room. How many of you are scared of spiders? Raise your hand and just be honest. Scared of spiders. And by I see one young man back in the back who's not afraid to admit it. I'm not going to call you out. Honestly, though, I don't know if I'm scared of spiders, but I highly dislike them. So raise your hand if you fall in that category, like you don't like them. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Joey's not scared of spiders, so we're good in our home. Like, he's good with killing all the spiders. I don't have to do it. His fear is snakes, and we don't have any snakes in our house, so we're good to go. But I don't like spiders. I don't like how, like, those little black ones, you know, those really jumpy ones, how they see you, like, from across the room, and they get ready to pounce. They just freak me out. We watched Home Alone last night with Reese and that tarantula. I just can't handle it. Every time it comes on the screen, I'm like, no. No, that's just, and it goes on the guy's face. It's just too much. So a quick Google search, though, statistics say the, that's the biggest fear. That's the biggest phobia is a fear of spiders. One in three women are scared of spiders, and one in four men are scared, in spiders, so, are scared of spiders. So there's not very many more women than men who are fearful of spiders. But also, did you know, we were not born with a fear of spiders, at some point, we had to develop a fear of spiders. We're only born with two fears, 
Does anyone know what they are? Just call them out if you do. God, no, but we should be born with that fear. Falling, yes. Um, no, but you know what? That should be on there too. Yeah, maybe there's more than two. But according to Google, the two are the fear of falling and the fear of loud sounds. Every baby's going to jump when they hear a loud sound, right? So the rest of our fears have to be developed, and they come at some point later in our lives. And if we think about things that we're scared of or things that we fear, there is an infinite number of things to fear. I started to just jot down a few things. It was super easy for me to do. I could go on and on, but we fear things like this. And I'm not talking about just physical things in the world. I'm going to get, like, really personal right now. So spiders are one, yes. But we also feel things like, fear things like, will people like us? Will they accept us? Will my kids turn out okay? Will I ruin them before they have a chance? Will they get hurt? Or will I be the end? I'll be the one who ends up hurting them today because right now they're really driving me nuts. Um, Does my husband love me? Does my spouse love me? Is my marriage going to be successful? Is it going to fail? Does God love me? Does God even like me? Is he going to be there for me? Does he really have good plans for me? And I could stand here, I could stand here all day and not exhaust the list of things that we fear, things that go through our minds sometimes on a daily basis. And it's really easy to fear because fear feels natural. It feels like a proper, natural response to the unknown. And sometimes, and most definitely, actually, it feels like a proper response to trauma. It feels like a proper response to pain in our experiences. But thankfully, I can stand up here today and tell you with 100 and 50% assurance that our God knows we would be prone to fear and that he has a solution for fear in our lives, that we don't have to be enslaved to fear. So praise God. So much so that the command, fear not, is given more than any other command in the Bible. In fact, in some translations, it's in there 365 times. So certain translations, it's more. Just depends on the verbiage of your Bible. Um, I recently watched a movie called Torture for Christ. Has anyone seen that? Ooh, yay. So I don't have to get all the details right because you guys don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Richard Wormbrand um, was a, well, he wasn't a martyr, but he wrote, he's the founder of the Voice of Martyrs. And he was actually taken captive back in the 50s and 60s in his country of Romania. He took a stand against communism. And they were trying to force the entire country to become communistic. And he was a pastor. And so he took a stand against these things and he was taken into captivity And he was beaten and tortured like many, 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 many Christians during this time. Many were killed. And the first thing that he says when he's thrown into this car and a bag goes over his head and his hands are tied, he asks them, what's the date? And like logically we'd think he's asking what's the date because he wants to start tracking how long he'll be imprisoned. No, that's not why he asked. He says then, because I'd memorized 365 verses that tell me not to fear in the Bible, and I wanted to know what what the date was so I could know where to start reciting those verses. He'd memorized every single verse that says to fear not, and that just, that floored me. I was like, wow. He's not worried about his captivity so much so as he's worried about saturating his mind with the truth of the Word of God, even in that situation. So that was just awesome. But before we get into what I feel like the Lord has prepared for us today. Let's go ahead and pray. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit just brings personal revelation, gives us exactly what we need, and that all this stuff up here is not my words, but his, okay? God, we just thank you for our time today. God, I thank you for church. I thank you for this church. 
I thank you for these people and the love and the unity that we have for one another, the love that we have for you. Jesus, we know that your word is absolute truth and that in this world, God, we face so many things that get us just muddled up and confused and we face the enemy's attacks and trials and tribulations. God, you never said it would be easy, Jesus, but you do offer us hope and joy and peace through any trial, any circumstance. And today we speak against the stronghold to fear. We speak against the stronghold of anxiety, of depression, of worry, of doubt, of insecurity, lack of confidence, all of these things that come with fear. God, we stand against it in the name of Jesus. And we just declare freedom over our hearts, over our minds, over our lives today from every root of fear in the name of Jesus. And God, I ask that you would bring special revelation to each heart. Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would move, that you would increase, I would decrease, and that I wouldn't say a thing that's not directly from you. We thank you for this time. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want to start with some main points of our message today and kind of sort through and unpack fear in a practical way before we get into really the lies of fear and, and what scripture has to say about that, um, I want to talk about a few other names it goes by and how we become vulnerable with it. So we're going to start with our first point. It's called exposing fear. And the first point under that is, I don't know if you, oh, you do have it. Look at that. I didn't make this. My lovely husband did. Fear is more than being scared. So we talked about when we opened the message, you know, who's scared of spiders? I'm scared of spiders or I'm scared of driving in the fast lane on the highway. But fear is much deeper than just being scared. So like many young adults, or many kids, I'm sorry, and even adults, not young adults, I don't know why I said that, I struggled with fear um, at night and fear of the dark as a kid. And it turns out that when I got older, fear didn't just leave my life because I became an adult. I didn't just grow out of fear. In fact, I became more vulnerable to fear, and fear acquired more control and gained more ground in my life. So fear runs deeper than just being scared of something. And I want to note here that the only healthy fear, according to Scripture, is fear of the Lord. Every other fear does not come from God. In fact, even when the Word of God says, fear not, in the Hebrew, it's translated different than the fear of the Lord. So when the Lord gives us the command to fear not, that literally means, I'm sorry, and in the Greek it means cowardice or timidity. But when it says to fear the Lord in the Hebrew, it means awesome and terrifying, like this reverence, this holy fear of God. So that is the only healthy fear. Just want to drop that in there. Every other fear is not from God. And fear comes in many, many forms. And sometimes it's almost unrecon unrecognizable as a root of fear. And its objective is actually more insidious than sometimes we give it credit. Honestly, a lot of times fear is going to come into our lives. It disguises itself so well that we're not even going to be able to trace it to an origin of fear without the help of the Holy Spirit. I've had conversations with God that I'm like, I just feel this way. And if this would just happen and, and if this and I'm, I'm upset about this and the Holy Spirit will whisper, you're scared. You're fearing. You're not trusting me. That's not what you think it is. That's fear, Tony. That's fear. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it is. It's fear. Anxiety and depression, they're also, um, they become manifest in our life from roots of fear. 
They're closely related in how they oppress a person. And depression and anxiety, although they seem, they seem like opposites, like one's up and one's down, they actually have many overlapping symptoms, some of which include this, trouble concentrating, a lack of energy, trouble sleeping, guilt, and unworthiness, just to name a few. Those are both symptoms of anxiety and depression. When I had London almost 10 years ago, I went to the doctor, and I was suffering with postpartum depression. I didn't know what to call it. But the doctor was like, yeah, you need an antidepressant. You need to, to get yourself right. And I said, no, I'm not depressed. I'm anxious. I'm scared. I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of nothing. I'm scared of everything. It doesn't make sense. They said, no, anxiety and depression, they're pretty much the same thing. They just affect the body differently. And I was like, oh, that was just, it was revolutionary to me. So these come from a root of fear in our lives. And it doesn't take much research, and even for us in this room, I bet we all understand that these things are on the rise in our culture. They're on the rise in the church. They're on the rise in our lives, in how it attacks our, our personal lives. And so we are hearing more about it. We're seeing it more um, visibly in media. And, every, and I think we do need to talk about it. But I think it's taking over more of our lives. Ephesians 6.12 says this, Paul says this, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And with that verse, if that's true, right, if what he's saying is true, then I think it's time for the church to begin exposing these networks of spirits that work to bring the stronghold of fear against believers. It's time we start rising up with the truth of God's word and understanding that fear is taking over more of our lives, more of our minds than ever before. It's not just become, because we're becoming sicker or because our stress is increasing or because we're on devices more or computers more or we're more busy. It's because these mighty powers of this dark world are gaining ground because they've been able to move in, camp out. They remain undetected, unchallenged. And they, they're able to grow and expand in how they operate in our lives. And it's either because we haven't believed that they're spiritual in nature or we haven't been taught how to walk in our authority to overcome them. Second Corinthians 10.3 and 4, we are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So if we're battling a spiritual enemy, then our weapons must be spiritual, not physical. And these mighty weapons of God, what are they? The Word of God, right? Jesus used the Word every time he was tempted directly to oppose Satan. Prayer, direct communion with the Holy Spirit, the authority that the Word of God says that we have through the Holy Spirit living within us. These are the weapons that we need to truly conquer these enemies in our lives. Amen? So today, as we get into this, I want you to know two things. If you're struggling, if you feel stuck, that's how I want to I word it that way. If you feel stuck in fear, if you feel like you can't overcome any of these attachments to fear, worry, dread, depression, whatever it is, I want to tell you two things. One, you're not alone, and there's hope. There is hope for change. Even if you have been this way 99% of your life, there is hope, 
And I promise you, this is not just the way you are. This is not part of your personality. It is not who you are. Because when Jesus tells us in John 10, 10, that he came to give us an abundant, overflowing, rich life, he didn't just say that because he came to save our souls from hell. He means that he came to give us a life that is rich and overflowing and full of abundance, no matter what we're going through. And fear is one of the biggest means that the enemy is using to steal our joy in the church today and steal the abundance that Jesus says belong to us. So point one, fear is much deeper than just being scared. Point two, here's the next thing. Fear is an emotion. Fear is an emotion. I wanted to touch on this because I feel like how fear plays out practically in our lives, it's going to give us tools on how to combat it better. And of course, with with the truth from scripture. But fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause a pain or threat. So work, work with me for a second. Fear is an emotion. And emotions are the basis of all feelings, but they're not exactly the same thing. Emotions come before feelings. So we are sad, so we feel depressed, or we're angry, so we feel irritable. We're scared, so we feel what? Anxious, something like that. And anxiety is actually defined as a feeling. Anxiety is the feeling produced from fear, and there are many others, but I'm just going to use anxiety. It's a feeling of worry, right? Nervousness, unease, typically about an imminent event or something of a uncertain outcome. So fear is the emotion that produces these other feelings in our lives. And um, oh, so, so I want to say this. If fear is the emotion born out of a belief that something is about to occur, and anxiety is the feeling that results from the belief, then where does the belief originate? Where does the belief start? How does that belief get there? Well, we have an enemy, again, who has this ability to introduce intruding thoughts or accusations into our minds. And when we believe the intruding thought, the emotion of fear is triggered. So every emotion we experience must originate from what? A thought. Yes, a thought. Some, one person's listening. Good job. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's a Christian neuroscientist. She's done extensive research. She's so cool. If you read any of her stuff or if you ever see her speak in person, she's just super, well, obviously she's super smart. She's a neuroscientist. Um, I can barely say that word. Um, She's done extensive research on the brain and how feelings are developed. And she has research that provides us with scientific proof that thoughts will always precede an emotion or feeling. And sometimes, and that's why I wanted to talk about this, because sometimes it seems like the emotion comes first, right? It seems like we're just feeling something because something happened, because we're so apt to feel things. And especially as a girl, I feel a lot of things. But we must recognize that every emotion begins in our mind at some point as a thought. And that's why scripture, it makes so much sense when it says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Did you hear that? Perfect peace is available when our thoughts are fixed on Jesus Christ. Our emotions are going to follow our thoughts. So to combat this stronghold of fear, we need to retrain our thoughts, retrain our minds to think different thoughts than the ones that brought us into the agreement with fear. 
And what better place to find those new thoughts and truths in Scripture? Philippians 4, 6 through 8, Paul's instructing the church at Philippi. Here's how you have this, this mind of peace. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. And if only it were just that easy to get our minds to think about good things, right? If only we could just, okay, I'm just going to think about those things. As soon as we determine that, Satan throws something in the mix that gets, us, gets our focus off of God, gets our focus off of thinking on good things. But it's important to note here that as we turn our thoughts away from fear, we need to replace those negative thoughts with something else. We can't just say, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about this stuff. We need to turn our thoughts to the truth of Scripture. And the replacement for these things is holy thinking prayer and thanksgiving. He starts with saying that. He says, by prayer and supplication, make your request made known. Then you're going to experience God's supernatural peace. And this is a discipline of the mind. It doesn't just happen overnight, but it's developed over time as we retrain our thoughts. And the third way um, I want to expose fear, the third thing I want to say in exposing fear, there's a difference between, this is point three, spiritual attack versus a soul pain in our life. Spiritual attack versus a soul pain. So strongholds to fear, they can be constructed from different influences, one of which is spiritual attack. And I'm going to define spiritual attack in this context as it pertains to fear as a feeling of fear, anxiety, panic, that seem to begin out of nowhere and cannot be traced to a certain event or trauma. So I mentioned earlier that when I was a little girl, I had fear at night. And I discovered later on in life that I'd been wrestling with a spirit of anxiety for most of my life as well. And although I didn't know how to define it then, sometimes I would experience these intrusive thoughts that seemed to come out of nowhere. And my body would respond. I'd be laying in bed at night. And I would have these hot rushes down my arms. I would sweat. I would cry. I didn't want to tell anyone because I was embarrassed. I felt guilty. I felt ashamed for nothing, even though I had done nothing wrong. And they would occur at night when I was already feeling scared. I was already scared of the dark. I was already scared of what would get me. And I didn't understand them then, but I know now I was experiencing a spiritual attack of fear and anxiety because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to combat it. And I agreed with the enemy for many years that these thoughts were my own and that I would always struggle with this, that it w I would just always be this way. And so I became enslaved to a stronghold of fear. Um, a couple weeks ago after worship, someone came to me and they said, I don't know why, but all of a sudden I just feel anxious. And we had had a great worship service. And they said, my heart is racing and I just feel tense and we prayed. And that anxiety was lifted. It was just a spiritual attack. It was an attack coming against them because of the great things God had just done. So sometimes spiritual attack just comes out of nowhere. The enemy just slaps you in the face with anxiety or fear and it's so unfounded. But we need to recognize not every thought is our own. That's not coming from us. So these are examples of spiritual attack. Other times, a stronghold of fear can enter because of a trauma or a pain that we've experienced. And these are, we're going to call these soul pains. Undealt with or unprocessed emotions from hurt in our lives can easily open the door to a stronghold of fear. 
even from events, events that occurred in our lives when we were really young. Maybe sometimes we won't even remember these without the help of Holy Spirit. And these ones are much harder to detect as spiritual in nature because they feel, like I said in the beginning, like a natural response to trauma or pain. And our bodies, they actually become hardwired with survival mechanisms, right? But the enemy gets in there in our pain, and he likes to make a mockery of our pain. And he doesn't care if we're 2 years old, 20 years old, or 82 years old. He does not play fair. And he likes to attack, especially when we're down. I was reading a blog post recently by Chris Volatin. He's a pastor out of Bethel Church in Redding, California, where he was discussing encountering a woman who was dealing with suicidal thoughts. And as he began to minister to her, she confessed that she'd lost a grandchild only six months before and was contemplating taking her own life because of the pain. He says this when it comes to addressing the difference between our thoughts and the voice of the accuser in our pain. If we don't catch it, we can begin to meditate on the fear that it will happen again and allow that spirit to tell us stories about our lives. So the enemy in this context with this woman had been able to whisper so many lies as a result of her pain. He'd nearly convinced her that she and everyone else would be better off if she was dead. In the catching it here, he's talking about the lies that the enemy whispers into those most painful moments, those most painful times. He comes in with accusation after accusation. And I don't know how many times I have allowed the enemy to whisper lies and tell me stories about what could happen if or what will happen next or what will happen again. He's done that to me so many times. And it's important, like I said, not all thoughts are our own. Satan uses our trauma, our past, our abuse, rejection, loss, anything he can to tell us stories that bind us to fear. And another thing that we must remember is that spiritual wounds do not heal on their own. They're not just going to get better. I don't know if you have experience, if you can look back over your life you know, yeah, the immediate pain from the trauma, it's not as severe now when you, when you think about it. But when you have to revisit that moment and live out those details, if you have not allowed Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in that moment to heal that pain, you're going to fall apart all over again. Because I'm telling you the truth today, spiritual wounds will not heal on their own. We need to learn how to invite Jesus into that pain. No matter if it happened 30 years ago or or more. And we do this, we do this by a couple things. We do this by offering forgiveness with the help of Holy Spirit for those who harmed us. We do this by repenting of any sin we allowed in our lives because of that trauma or that hurt. And then we exchange that fear, that anxiety. In this case, we're talking about fear for the security, peace, and love of Christ. And it is, it seems so simple, but with the help of Holy Spirit, it is so profound and it is so healing. So, that's just something to touch on. We're going to pray at the end. I just wanted to give you um, those little tips there. But praise God. Praise God today that there is freedom from every pain and every lie that Satan uses as an attempt to control and manipulate our emotions. Praise God. So who's ready to break off some lies? I got three lies we're going to break off today. Three truths from Scripture that directly oppose these lies. And they are so, so good because they're from the Word of God and they can't be good. So, I mean, they can't not be good. That didn't make sense. Okay, point two, three lies fear tells us, and then the truth to walk in freedom. Lie number one, this lie says, I need to control my life 
and operate in my own strength. I need to attempt to control everything in my life and operate in my own strength. But the truth of God's word says, my power comes through surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's where my power comes from. I have been someone who likes to control things. I was just talking about that out in the lobby, handing out invites that I was supposed to leave for other people. And I was grabbing them. I'm like, no, they're going to forget. So I'm going to hand this one out. No, I'm going to hand that. Um, I have struggled with perfectionism. And not just in the things that I do, but about myself. You know, if I'm not, if I don't feel like I lived up to my potential, I beat myself up. And I've tried to manipulate these details of my life by, by planning or obsessing over things that I feel out of my control. Some people would say, oh, that person is so prideful. They have an attachment to pride. But actually, I would say that fear is really the root of why someone becomes prideful. Because what fear says, they say, you got to protect yourself. Because if you open yourself up, if you become vulnerable, you're going to get hurt or you're going to get hurt again. Fear tells us to go into protection mode. It keeps us from things that could challenge us. It keeps us to hide from things. Um, We're afraid to give out our trust. We're afraid to step out of our comfort. Fear says that we need to do everything so we can remain safe so that that terrible thing won't happen or at least it will be less likely to happen. And I don't think that there's a soul in this room that hasn't been influenced by fear to think this way at some point, in some way or another. But God's word says that true freedom is found when we surrender control to the Holy Spirit's power. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very familiar passage today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. See, when we trust in the Lord, when we depend on him, we're forfeiting our right for control. But why should we trust him? God, God says, trust me, trust me, trust me all the time. But why? what makes his way better than ours? What makes his way better than us going into protection mode, never stepping out, just living it safe, you know, keeping everybody at an arm's length? Romans 15, 13 speaks to that a little bit. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when we trust him, when we trust his ways, what does his word say? We're going to be filled with joy and peace. When we do things our way, we don't have joy and peace. We're, we're closed up. We're, our, our fists are all clenched tight. We're full of fear and anxiety and negativity and dread. But when we trust the Lord, when we open our arms and just fall into him, we're going to have joy and peace, confident hope. We're going to overflow with that confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, not of ourselves. Because our own power, that's just a facade. That's a facade from fear because we can't control the outcome of many things, can we? We can't make anyone love us. We can't make anyone live longer. We can't always ensure our kids are going to be safe. The only thing that we can really do, the only thing, honestly, is to let the power of God in us be our source of peace through any circumstance. Peace and joy. That's it. That's all we can do. And no matter what we face in life, we'll be able to say like the psalmist says in Psalm 91. This is the message message version, so it's verses 1 through 3 kind of paraphrased. He says, say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you, and I'm safe. And we can quote this truth 
or another similar truth from Scripture in the middle of any wayward thought that suggests we need to control or manipulate a situation or try harder or, or do something in our own strength. We can stop and we can say, God, say that with me. Reese, would you put that back up there really quick? God, do you not have it, hon? Oh, sorry about that. Okay. You're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. And I'm safe. Okay, second lie that fear tells us. First one says, I need to control. I need to manipulate everything around me so it goes my way. Lie number two, fear tells us this. The heart of the Father is not for me, and his plans for me are not necessarily good. The heart of the Father is not for me, and his plans for me are not necessarily good. But the truth from Scripture says that his love for me is perfect. Perfect. So I believe that this lie, it goes hand in hand with lie number one that we need to control. Because when the enemy has convinced us that we need to protect ourselves or bad things are going to happen to us, that when that bad thing happens, then he's going to say, see, see, I told you God wasn't for you. I told you his plans for you weren't necessarily good. I told you he didn't think you were that worth it. It's the same enemy, the same kind of lie he whispered to Adam and Eve in this perfect environment in the Garden of Eden. They're at this tree, and he said, did God say you can't eat from all the, the fruits in the garden? She says, oh, yes, we can, but we can't eat from that one. We can't even touch it, or we're going to die. He directly opposes the truth of God's word for one. He's not too ashamed to do that. He says, you will not die. Direct opposition of the truth of God's word. Then he says, God just doesn't want you to know what he knows. He just doesn't want you to be like him. His intentions for you aren't necessarily good. He got Eve to doubt the heart of the father. Maybe he's withholding something from me. And with one lie, the next scripture in Genesis 3 says, and Eve was convinced. One lie was all it took. And she was convinced after perfect communion with creator God. In a perfect, unbroken world, one lie was all it took for him to convince her that the heart of God was not good towards her. God was keeping her from something good. And he does the same thing in our lives. He does the same exact thing. And we're in a broken, fallen world with a bunch of problems and a bunch of mess. He says things like, God doesn't think you're worth it. He doesn't want what's best for you. Maybe he just doesn't have peace for you. And I've been guilty of doubting the Father's heart for me from time to time. I have agreed with the enemy. I've doubted that God really had, you know, those good, crazy good intentions for me. Like we think about stories in the Bible and like, wow, God was with that person. And we hear testimonies of people who are like, wow, God just did these amazing things. But he probably doesn't have that for me. I mean, I know God loves me. And we say things like that. But we don't believe that his goodness, like he has for all the stories of the people in the Bible and those great testimonies of all of our friends and, and people who are far removed from us, that he has those same exact good intentions for our lives. And even Job Let's talk about Job for a minute, who the Bible calls perfect and upright. He responds this way when disaster falls upon his life. Job 3, 25 and 26, he says this, What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. So even Job had hidden fears in his heart. And when God gave Satan permission to bring pain and destruction into Job's life, Satan knew exactly how he was going to attack because he knew the hidden fear that was in his heart. He knew exactly where he was going to go. 
And it doesn't look like Job is very assured in this moment that God has these great intentions towards him. He says, I only have trouble, no peace, no rest, and the things I feared, they've all happened. Where is God? And we can find ourselves, we say the same exact things. When bad things come into our lives, they invoke this fear in our hearts. But God has a remedy for this fear. And we've heard it said probably, you've probably heard it said if you thought about it for a minute, you might believe that the opposite of fear is faith. Well, we just need to have more faith. We need to have a greater faith. It seems logical. But when I read the scripture, I don't believe that the opposite of fear is faith. I think that God want, what God wants to communicate most in our fear is that knowing his love is what drives out fear. I'm going to stand here today and say fear, the opposite of fear is love. The opposite of fear is love. Although God wants us to have faith, and he wants us to have greater faith, and faith is a gift from God, but we're not, our faith is not going to expound and grow unless we understand the love of God, unless we understand the goodness of his heart towards us. And our God, think of what he allowed Jesus Christ to go through. He had to go through incredible, unfathomable lengths, not only to reveal how much he would give up for us, but also to make the greatest demonstration of his affection for us. And as I was, I was seeking the Holy Spirit on how to communicate this point, if he used his own pain to reveal his love to the world, what does our pain have to do with how he wants to communicate his love towards us? And I said, Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Why do you have to use pain to show love? It just seems so contrary to what you would do. And the Holy Spirit said this. He said, because sometimes in your pain is the only place you become vulnerable enough to let me reach you. We have a father who doesn't want to condemn us. He just wants to reach us. He just wants to reach our hearts. He just wants to love us. And not only is he willing to endure, he's willing to endure ultimate pain. He proved it on the cross, sorrow, to show us his love. But he would rather us go through pain loving us perfectly. He'd rather allow us to go through pain to be able to know him more intimately than to never allow us to hurt and keep us safe all the time and never allow us to go through anything bad and our hearts become callous and we're prideful and we think it's all about us and we're unaware of his presence. He is that good. It's the goodness of God that he allows these things into our lives because he wants us to know his heart. Zephaniah 3.17, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. And 1 John 4.18, such love has no fear because perfect love does what? Expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If we're fearful, if we're doubting his heart for us, if we're scared that he doesn't love us like he loves somebody else, it's because we haven't experienced his love fully. It's not because we don't have enough faith. It's because we don't understand his heart yet. Because God's love will cast out and calm all our fears. So fear is a lie. It lies and says when bad things happen, God isn't good. But the heart of the Father, he's going to use even the unsure, the broken, 
broken circumstances in our life to encounter us in an even greater way than if we never had to face any pain or uncertainty. So praise God. And lie number three, this is our last lie, that fear says. Fear says this, every thought originates with me and I can't control the thoughts in my mind. Every thought originates with me. I can't control those thoughts. But God, truth from his scripture, God has given me a peaceful mind. God has given me a peaceful mind. We touched on this in the beginning. Every thought doesn't originate with you. And actually, you can learn to control the thoughts in your mind. But the enemy, he gets us twisted up in these lies. First, he says, no, you got to control. you got to stay safe. You can't step out. If you do, bad things will happen. Then when bad things happen, lie number two, he says, God's just not that good. His heart for you isn't that good. And then to keep us there, he says, this is just the way you are. You're broken. You're just going to stay here. Nothing's ever going to change. You can't quit. Your thoughts are always swirling. Your mind's out of control, and that's just the way God made you because he, you have to control everything. He's not going to be there. He doesn't really love you anyway. So these three lies, they go hand in hand. It's a progressive thing in how fear operates in our lives. And so I'm going to take one scripture today, one scripture, and dissect and throw down that entire lie, and also the first two lies with it. And I did not plan that when I first wrote this message, so I know that that was just from Holy Spirit, and it's, it's just so good. So the scripture is 2 Timothy 1.7. If you know the word of God, I know that you know this verse. We're going to dissect it almost word for word. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's say that out loud together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love, and self-discipline. It's not given us the fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. So the word fear in the Greek in this context, this actual word is translated as dread. And timidity is translated lack of courage or confidence. So we can say, God, when I feel dread, and I hate dread, dread is like the darkest feeling in the world. It's like this big black hole if you have felt dread in your life, I hate that feeling. You've not given me dread. You've not given me this lack of courage or this lack of confidence. But what have you given me? What is the spirit that you've given me, God? The first thing, the first attribute that the spirit within us has is power. Paul is reminding Timothy here that the Lord has given us this powerful spirit. And it, this word was so cool to to look up and kind of figure out what it means. It literally means can. God, you've given me a spirit that can, that is able, that is capable. So this defies the first lie that we need to control because it's God's spirit within us that makes us able and capable. He's put the spirit of can within each of us, and I think that's pretty amazing. So we can use our authority in Christ to renounce the spirit of fear from operating in our lives. We can use that authority. The second thing that he's given us is a spirit of love. And there are many translations to love. Love has many different definitions. Um, in our English word, it's just love. But in the Greek, it can be many different things. And this one specifically means beloved or chosen. So God says, I've not given you dread. I've not given you a lack of courage or confidence. I've given you a spirit that can and I've given you a spirit that says, you are my beloved, my chosen ones. And he has put that identity. That's more than just what he says about us. It's an identity because the spirit of God lives within us. That's our identity as sons and daughters of God. 
We are beloved and chosen. So the spirit of love, it not only enables us to love others like Jesus and to pour out like we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters, but it allows us to receive the perfect love of God that comes from his spirit within us. It allows us to be um, receiving of that love. And the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to understand and know without fail that we're beloved. We are his chosen ones. Finally, the last attribute of the spirit within us is the spirit of self-discipline. And this is the one that directly opposes the third lie that all of these thoughts, they originate with me. I can't change. I can't control. God put a spirit within us of self-discipline or as some translations say a sound mind. And this can be translated as safe mind. It literally just means safe mind. God's given me a safe mind. So I'm not just an anxious or fearful person. The Lord says, my mind is a safe place and my thoughts can be kept in his supernatural peace. So I don't know about you, but this sounds refreshing to me. That's refreshing. That sounds exactly like what my soul needs. Because in one verse, we can pretty much take every lie Satan throws at us in the context of fear. We can say with assurance, I'm not going to walk in fear because God's spirit's within me. God's spirit makes me able. God's spirit says, I am beloved and chosen. Me, me specifically. Not just Christians as a whole, not just the people who stand on this stage or the people who are more successful than me. I'm beloved and I'm chosen and God gives me a safe and peaceful mind. So beloved, If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today and you're wrestling with the spirit of fear on any level, I want to assure you it's not God's will for you to suffer under the heavy weight of fear or any of its attachments. It's not his will. He doesn't want you to live crippled by unhealthy emotions or mental torment. And as his word reminds us, this isn't from him. These twisted thoughts, these emotions, they come from an enemy and we're in a spiritual battle. Also, we need to to learn to differentiate our own thoughts from the lies that the enemy tells us and to recognize that the battle begins in our minds. And with the help and power of God's spirit in us, we can renounce the lies of fear. We can accept his love and we can walk in a greater revelation of his heart and we can discover joy and peace that Jesus says is ours in him. I want to give you a quick testimony. So I said how I struggled with fear at night. Um and anxiety on many different occasions through different things. About six years ago, no, more than that, seven years ago maybe, we're standing in a church service and we had a special guest speaker and he was talking about just prayer over people and and he, he had this notion from the Holy Spirit. He said, how many of you struggle with fear in any form? And then he, then he said, fear at night. You know, how many of you are scared? And I was so embarrassed to stand up because I was an adult and I'm like, that's not for adults. I'm not going to say I'm scared. And Joey was there. He's like, yeah, you should stand up. You should stand up, you know. And I'm like, okay. And some other people stood up, so I wasn't alone. So it made it a little easier. And he said, now, church, we're going to lay our hands on these people, and we're going to believe and pray for breakthrough, for breaking of the spirit of fear on their lives. It was a simple prayer. I didn't feel anything miraculous happen. But after that point, I have not wrestled with the spirit of fear at night in the same way ever since. God broke that in my life. He's still breaking fear off of me. And it's only because of the truth of his word. It's only because he keeps giving me a greater glimpse of revelation of what he's trying to tell me. 
I couldn't even stand up here today if I didn't understand those things, if he wasn't teaching me those things. I'd be sitting in a chair terrified. But I know that what he says about me is true. I know that what he says about you is true. I know that whatever he has for me or anyone else, he has exactly for you. And so today, what I want to do is if we could just have, um, we're going to pray first, every head bow and every eye closed. We're just going to pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for truth. We thank you for refreshing our souls with the truth of your word today. God, we thank you for peace and joy, supernatural in this broken world. And we thank you that it is ours as your sons and daughters. God, thank you for revealing the lies of the enemy. Thank you for not allowing us and leaving us to live crippled by fear and unhealthy emotions and and things that just torment us, God. And it may not be visible on the outside, Lord, but it tears at our souls and it wrecks us from the inside out, God. And I thank you that you rescue us from everything that entangles itself in our emotions, every lie that the enemy whispers. You have truth for us today, God. And I thank you that you're here to bring freedom. That you want to bring freedom for each of our hearts, God. Holy Spirit, bring us revelation of your love, of your heart. Let it touch us right now. In Jesus' name, let it fall on us, God. Show us your love. Reveal your heart for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So at this time, I felt like God said we should do this last night. If you feel bound to fear in any context, just like they did for me and others several years ago, I want you to stand up and I want the church to just gather around and pray and break off fear and believe that fear is broken today in the name of Jesus. And don't be ashamed or embarrassed because Jesus has freedom for you and no one here is going to judge you because we've all dealt with fear. We all know what fear is. So on the count of three, if that's you, we'll gather around, we'll come down. Uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If people in your group want to pray a special prayer, but I'll lead in one one corporate prayer. Pastor Joey's here to come lay hands on people too and in Virginia, if you you would do that as well. But on the count of three, if that's you, if you struggle with fear on any level, stand up. We're going to gather around these people. We're going to lay hands. We're going to break off fear today, okay? One, two, three. Go ahead and stand. Amen. Here's the catch. If you're not standing, but you know you should, that's fear. So on the next count of three, you're going to stand up too. One, two, three. Stand. Amen. Come on down. Come on down. We'll gather down here. Do not let the enemy rob you of your breakthrough. Come on, church. Let's encourage them. Everyone coming down, let's, let's give them a clap. Let's, let's just celebrate. Come on. God is getting ready to do something powerful in Jesus' name.
Come on, just gather around here. Amen. Amen. And church, those of you that are in your seats, if you would stand with us and then just extend your hand as, and just in agreement with us. Just extend your hand. If you want to come and lay hands on the shoulders of those down here uh, and get behind on, um, in the first row, you can do that. But we're, we're just going to pray in Jesus' name. you see our hearts and I thank you for these tender hearts this morning I thank you for these obedient hearts Lord they believe you and they trust your word today God and right now we agree in the name of Jesus Christ united by your Holy Spirit God that fear we renounce you in the name of Jesus we just declare that you will not have these daughters and sons of God, they belong to him. And within them is a spirit of power, of love, and a safe mind. God, you're making them able and capable. God, you're planting dreams in their hearts that they're not going to have too much fear to step out into, God, because you're giving them that holy confidence, God. And we understand that when we surrender to you, Lord, you give us supernatural joy and peace. So right now, in the name of Jesus, fear go. In Jesus' name. Anxiety, go in the name of Jesus. Lack of confidence, lack of self-worth, go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of lack or loss or insecurity, shame, guilt, unworthiness, go in Jesus' name. Your power is broken through the authority of the blood of Jesus today. And we just declare healing. Spirits of terror, of night terror, go in the name of Jesus. Spirits of panic, go in the name of Jesus. Lord, raise us up to be truly who we are. I pray today that you'd plant a vision in each one of our hearts, God, as who we are in Jesus Christ, that we are mighty warriors in the kingdom of God, that fear is only a lie. It is a facade in the enemy to keep us, to withhold us from our true purpose in Jesus Christ. You've purposed and planned each one of us, God. You play no favorites. You love us equally, God. And you have so much planned for us, God. So many good things. We break the authority of fear. We break the contract. We come out of agreement with every lie of the enemy that tells us to fear now in the name of Jesus. God, we offer forgiveness for everyone who has hurt us in the name of Jesus. We repent of all sin, all agreement to fear God and any other sin that's entered our life because of hurt or pain. And right now, God, we exchange any bitterness, any fear, any resentment, God, any pride, any unworthiness for the supernatural peace, love, confidence, and hope of the Holy Spirit. Saturate us with your love. Saturate us with your peace, God. And I pray right now that these people gathered up front in faith, they're going to feel the power of fear breaking over them. They're going to feel the chains breaking now in the name of Jesus. Fear, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Get out. We don't agree with you anymore. You've been exposed. Go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of anxiety, spirit of depression, spirit of loneliness, orphan spirit, go in the name of Jesus. We come out of agreement with you. Your power is broken in the name of Jesus Christ. 
God, I plead your blood over each of our minds, over each of our hearts. Saturate us with your truth. Give us personal revelation of Suspicious your love item for has each been one of us, God, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, reveal your love. Touch us with your love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Raise us up, God. Raise up your church. Give us the confidence to step out in a new territory, knowing that the Lord our God is with us. He goes before us and he stands behind us. We are not children of fear, God, and of this world. We are children of God. Oh, we are made for so much more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we just bless them now, the spiritual blessing, God. I just rebuke all timidity, Lord. Timidity has been robbing your church of the boldness in our faith to be a light in this world, God. And so timidity, I command you to go in Jesus' name. And God, we just receive and we expect, Lord, an outpour of your spirit for power, for love and self-control. Lord, and I just thank you for these here, God. I honor their faith as you honor it right now, Father. And we just thank you for what you're doing. God, I just pray seeds of just your Holy Spirit would germinate and harvest even now. Father, you build them up, strengthen them in the name of Jesus, God. And we just celebrate this today, God. We celebrate the victory that is going to be. Like tonight, you will keep in perfect peace those who fix their eyes on you, God. You will make us to lie down in peace and safety. Lord, that there'll be a restful sleep tonight, God. There'll be a refreshing and a renewal, Lord. And I just thank you. I praise you for, for coming in this place, Lord. Fill them with your presence. Fill them with your love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.